All right, Val. Hi, Val. Hi, Pete. All right, I have a... We are live. I don't know if there's... Oh, oh there is a viewer. There is actually a, li- a live stream viewer right now. I usually don't want to go with the show show until there's an actual person, but uh, we have an actual person. Right on. Hi, and actual person. I don't know who you are, but identify yourself, and we will we will give you praise. But, uh, Val, I have something to begin the show, and uh, you came all this way, and I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to have to, because there are no open mics for me to go to, and I've been writing all these jokes, and I have no idea if it's funny or not, because, you know what I mean, an open mic. So you're going to use me as your guinea pig? Yeah. I'm I, your test audience? Yes. The worst thing a comedian can do to another comedian is to sit there... <laughs> And make them listen to their material. It's the worst thing to do. You're just trying to have a goddamn cigarette. And some comic is like, do you think this is funny, Pete? No, I don't. I don't. I'm going to pretend. God, I hope it's funny. Anyways. No. This is what I want to tell you, Val. Okay. This, there's a very good chance this is not funny. <laughs> and, and I would say normally what I would do is write this joke out, and what I do is I disguise it as like organic conversation. conversation. We're just having a conversation. Yeah, gotcha. And I had that worked out. I say, "Oh, I can do this one like that. It's easy because it's about something that actually happened to me." Um, but then I thought, "No, I'm going to like tear down the fourth wall, pull back the curtain, show the little man with the monkey or whatever. Did he have a monkey? Which man? Watch? Which man? The little man in Wizard of Oz." You know when you Did he have a monkey? No, the, the I mean, dog. I, I know I'm old, but I don't remember. No, he he didn't have a monkey. That was me. So. That was me. That's Ross from Friends. But if you figured if you're Oz, you'd get one of those flying monkeys and you'd have it as a pet. I would if I controlled the whole place. You know, wouldn't you want a flying monkey? God no, no. He would shit on my hair. Oh, oh yeah, the worst. You're right. Monkeys are gross. I have a I had a bat in my pool. I I don't know if you saw that. I put it on Instagram. He's got like I had a bat in my pool filter. Like when I went was to Was he alive? Yeah, it was alive. Oh my yeah. god. And my I had to like I couldn't kill it. Not that I, like uh, I my instinct was to kill it. And it was drowning anyways, you know? All I had to do was like hold his little head down and he would like squeak his way into you know, into sleep forever sleep, you know? Aww. But my nephew is there and and his mom is is like uh, treating it like a trip to the zoo, you know? Like, oh, Uncle Pete found a bat, you know? I'm like, I'm just about to murder it. I'm not. I don't want him to witness this, you know? Anyways, this is my joke. I he he crawled out. I put the pole of the thing in there, and the bat cr- clung onto it, and it, and then I just lifted it out and let him in the forest. Maybe he was committing suicide because he's so ashamed of the blame he's taking for COVID. I I bet you that's what it was. Well, then I fucked it up for him, didn't yeah. I? Well, you know what? He's trying to die by pool owner. I said just eat the fucking mosquitoes and do your job. Stay in my house. Stay in my pool. <laughs> I hope he learned his lesson. But this is this is not about that, Val. Here comes the joke. This is about um I wanted to say I have two I have one kid. You met uh, both my daughters inside my house. And uh my one daughter, she said she went to school last year to Western, right? And uh you know, I don't want my whistle here. You know, like I had a, I had to pay Western University, and some, um, some university. These universities made out like banshees during this COVID thing, right? Like they, they would give you an itemized bill of all the amenities of their wonderful school that your kid will be prohibited from using, 
and how much they cost and how they contribute to the total amount you pay. And you're not, your kids are not going to get to use any of it, but you pay for all of it. Shut up. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. There was zero deductions off of the bill for having, you know, you couldn't use the gym. You couldn't use the, the, but the, they the still cl- charged. Yeah. Everything, everything was exactly the same except for none of the services you could use. Right. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like if you were uh, like to pay for a lady of the night to come to your your home, you know, like once a month to do all the filthy things that you can't convince your wife to do to you, right? You know, mm-hmm. and then and then uh, she gives you an itemized list of all the disgusting, like perverted, twisted pleasures that you can think think of, and then the associated costs associated with these perversions would be then itemized, so you'd know. You know, X, Y, Z, I'm going to get, and that equals like your 350 bucks, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a woman of the night, she comes to your house every month and she just relieves you of your sexual demons in order that your wife doesn't even have to know about them. She doesn't have to be, uh, feel weird about them. Nothing like that, right? It's a perfect service that this woman is providing. And then all of a sudden, COVID hits. And now. Let's call that girl Crystal, okay? Crystal. Okay, let's call the girl yeah. Crystal. And then COVID hits and you get a message from Crystal and she tells you that she can no longer uh, lick your balls. She, oh no, she tells you she can't lick your balls from greater than six feet away. That's what she says. That was supposed to. Be. And then she also says that all of her orifices will be, temp- orifices will be temporarily closed for the aforementioned reasons. Right. 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 So now all you're left with is pissing on Crystal in a hazmat suit. Six. It's not worth the three hundred fifty bucks. Is what I'm but saying. But she's still gonna charge. She's gonna charge me three hundred fifty bucks. Anyways, it's exactly see what I mean? the same thing. It's exactly like that. That's how I feel like. It's not <laughs> worth three fifty to piss, piss on from, Crystal from six feet away. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you got me ten years ago. I'd have a shot at that game with Crystal, but now I got nothing. It's oh, just man. a trickle out the tip. She'll just, yeah, she, she'll just dip her toe in the puddle. Yeah, I can't do nothing. And plus droplets, eh? <laughs> I think droplets. I don't think, I don't know. I think there's, you think there's anything in that? <laughs> think that work on stage? I don't know. I botched every aspect of it up. I think there's beats in it if I, if I really bled it out. But. Until that time. Ooh, I almost lost that. Did you see it? Oh, your drink? Yeah. Anyways, that joke, I think it was kind of shitty. Um, but there's I think so, it, There's uh, always something there. It doesn't matter how shitty the original joke is. If you think there's something there, then it's worth going for it. Every yeah. time. Every time. And if you have an audience, then you can play with it a bit. Yeah. Right? Because then you can be like talking to the person and then like making it about... Uh, making it about them kind of, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's just the way you rearrange the words or as you say, um, uh, drop, you figure out where the beats are or maybe you have a different opening or, mm-hmm. but if you, if the, if the, if, if, if it still feels right to you, I always say, look for it, look for the funny. Why not? You know what I found out with when I did, and it was like a light bulb moment for me in comedy was, uh, uh go through my old jokes. I've been telling these jokes for years and then all of a sudden it, it dawned on me, cut cut them all, cut 
all the fat out of all of them. Like I was ending, I was putting things in threes because I thought it had to be, and I was like, uh, it felt unfinished, so I put in another joke, and it never really ever landed. And but I would always still do it because I felt it was part of the piece. But I just was like, get rid of it. It, it doesn't work. And then I just stopped doing it, and then everything became tighter and like everything popped more. And then the two, the jokes would fit together better because they were all like cleaner. So then you'd notice that this joke, I didn't even know it had much to do with that joke. But then once you cut all the, yeah, then you can see how you can actually tie them together. And for some reason in the beginning of a joke writing uh, session, you feel like you need to explain why you're about to talk about the thing you're going to talk about. And so we we always have this ridiculous long lead up that uh, we think we need for some reason. And then you're, as you say, you do the joke for a year and you can't figure out why it never really hits. And then one day you walk up and all you say is, so the other day I opened the fridge, right? Then you just get right into it instead of trying to explain everything. Nobody cares. Just, yeah. So you open the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So keep going. Oh man. Dan Brennan says it. He says he's watched jokes of mine unfold on stage. And he goes, when you go up the first time with it, it's fucking brutal. He goes, he's saying this about you specifically. Yeah, about my, my shit. He goes, it's like, it's awful. It's like, it me, it, like, it's just a whole bunch of stuff meandering and like, I'm all floating around the point. Like I'm just fleshing it out and there's, I'm bombing so much, you know, like it's like, like bomb, 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 bomb. Like I'm just shooting it at and just failing, failing it, you know, but, but I'm searching for everything I can. Like I'm just flushing it. I know it. I kind of know that going in that I'm going to get, I'm going to eat shit tonight, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the second time then when I go, I'll do that again and then it'll be clean. It'll be like, that was the, the second part of Dan's uh, uh, comment too. Is that the next time I see you do, try the same thing, it's just all the good parts, and and I'm like, oh, that's the point of it to do it. You know? I know why? It's too bad that we have to put the audience through that. Why can't we just oh. figure that out on our own? Oh, these poor uh, these poor audiences, eh? That we ambush. And I hope Dan learns that lesson someday soon too. What? <laughs> so we can always critique somebody else's work. Oh, I know. A hard time looking at our. It own. was a. It was a compliment, though. It was a at the end because he was saying your first one is is so crappy, and then your second one, they it's weird. It's a. It's amazing to watch it develop. That's what he was kind of trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like he was enjoy. He enjoyed watching the process. But yeah, he, he said it. I probably said it. I probably recounted it worse than it was. Knowing me, because <laughs> I would have put my filter through it. But anyways, I, the, he's right. That point is right. It, it does. It is brutal. My first times out, but I only do. I don't do that in a show where people pay ever. Right. You know, like uh, that's if, fair. And if I'm at a good club, even if I'm not getting paid, I will only sandwich in um, a new thing. But it'll be a clean new thing. Like it'll be one that I kind of did did my work on. And if I'm at a an ambush open mic everybody hates me or it's all comics and there's no real audience there then i'm gonna do that nonsense stuff especially if it's all comics because if it's all comics then it's like okay you can you can think this isn't funny but um it's helping me right now it's a work it's more of a working room anyways i'm not there to yeah, you know, like, and this is this is true for everybody you don't you're you're not alone yeah we all eat shit when we try something new 
And yeah. it's too bad because we have such hope for these things. Yeah. It's fun to do the jokes that you've honed and it's fun to get those laughs. But it, what's really exciting is when you come up with something new and you, and you just know that it's funny. There's there's something here. You know there's something here. And then you get up on stage and you say it and you're hoping everybody sees what you see in it and they don't. And yeah. it's devastating. Sometimes you you know like before you're finished <laughs> And you still have to finish it, but you, yeah. you know, and you're like midway through, you're like, oh my God, that was a bad idea. Like if, if they didn't like that, they're sure shit not going to like how it ends, you know, like, and then you still do it anyways. That's why I love watching some certain comics. There's certain comics. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm close to getting them on this show. David Green. And I want to, do you know David Green? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, the English guy, right? Yeah. The English guy. And he tells like one liner jokes, right? Or not one-liners, uh, puns. He does puns. Sorry, he does pun jokes. You know, it's a lot of puns. It's a lot, a lot of puns. And 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 if you if you don't like puns, um, you're not gonna like it. You mm-hmm. know, if you like if you like the puns, you're gonna you're gonna love it. You know, uh, but if you run into a room, I've seen David kill, like just destroy rooms. You know, in rough rooms too, like like weed rooms where people, um, like uh, people can barely pay attention. He'll he'll crush, you know. And uh, when I see him work at, at the Showtime, there ninety percent of the time he's doing great, you know. So I'm not slagging him. But one time, one time I worked at Showtime, and the people didn't like his jokes. And when he started, you know, I was like, I've seen him so many times. I was like, well, where's he going to go? You know, because like I know if this was going like this for me, I'd have to change gears. You know, like go into something a little different they don't like dirty we'll go try family stuff or whatever you know yeah you'd, you'd reach for your major hits yeah like i'd try anything you know and then uh but this guy he's like the the next one if they didn't like that one the next one's gonna be a different version of that one right it's like a one-liner comic i saw this other like one-liner comics when they're great but when they bomb they have nowhere to go because people don't like the one-liners, they're not going to like any of your one-liners, and the, so that those sets to me as a comedian are the funniest things. Like I laughed so hard watching him bomb, <laughs> because I was in the back just crying because it was so so difficult. Like, How he, does he handle it? He just plows through. He's got to just keep doing it. You just got same energy, just keeps going. Yeah, you have to plug through. Like you can see, you can see the subtleties. Like I think if. I think if you didn't know him, you probably wouldn't notice it's as bad as as because I know how there's I know how the I've heard the jokes before and I know how the crowd's supposed to react right like when you've heard it in various settings the same joke and you've heard the different crowds in different settings react the same way and then you go to one place and the crowd doesn't it's funny eh. <laughs> Like, cause that's not his fault, right? That's just like bad luck. But it's like you got to watch that guy squirm. Like, and it, it is a, uh, you know, it's really, really hilarious. And so he, he, uh, I remember when he came off the stage. You know, he was like all sweaty and stuff. And then he, and uh, he could see me laughing. Um, and he, he said, like, uh, that's what happens. You just got to do it. Like, you just got to keep doing it. You well, know? he must be. He must have had that experience before. He must know. Oh, sure, yeah. He must know that some crowds just aren't going to dig him. Yeah, yeah. He must be. He he would have to be okay with that, right? And oh, not let it destroy him. I think every comic has to be okay with it or get out, yeah. you know? Like, as it, like if you want to work, a, if you have any ambition of working a corporate 
gig, like a like a, you're gonna bomb. Yeah, I'll tell you because every not and that's not everyone. I work one corporate gig. I've only worked one because I they're not gonna book a dick joke guy. A lot of them, <laughs> right? So they go. Uh, but this one was like um, they said you could do all the dirty you want, just don't do any. Uh, um, drugs or alcohol jokes and that was the only thing so uh, uh, i was uh for the uh, narcotics anonymous i i can say that that i played their gig i just can't tell you who they all were but uh it was a, one of the, my best gigs i've ever done it was it was so much fun um but uh that one was great because the crowd was like super cool you know but the um most corporate gigs they throw you they throw like a real like business guy they throw a real business guy on there, talk about your uh, fiscal results, right? Yes, and then you have to come on and just completely change the tone of the room. And there's one like sales guy that got on the corporate planning meeting, <laughs> right? And he likes comedy, and so he says, "I'll take care of entertainment That's for this," right? right? That's right. And then, uh, then he goes up to the microphone. Usually, I've been on both. I've been on. I've seen this firsthand. I uh, I forget the co- I can I picture this poor comic. Uh, they set him up to fail so badly. So then the the guy whose idea it is comes up to the thing and says, "Hey guys, I got a big surprise for you." <laughs> you know, you just finished eating supper and listening to boring shit. You're like, yeah, Q I- Q one results, and uh, here's uh, how we're going to try and uh, boost Q two sales and. And, uh, uh, yeah, enjoy it. Let's thank the kitchen staff for the chicken. And here's a surprise for you, a comedian. <laughs> eh? You're not going to ever have heard of him because it's in Canada and we don't know any comedians. And then this guy comes out in a suit and then, like, uh, um, starts telling his jokes. And, like, the guy who booked him is laughing his ass off. And the rest of the people are, don't even know what's going on. Oh, no. That's how I've seen it happen many times. And it's no fault of the comic. They made that comic. They pay him well, and they torture the guy. That's what they do. They don't set it up that they want want to be there. No. Anyways, um, that is, uh, uh, I think we need to start this show, Val. Okay. Because one, no one knows who you are. Two, we always do a thing. Um, and this, if we don't do the thing, then the people don't feel like they have the warm and fuzzies of the I Dutch want the hall. thing. Do the thing. The thing is don't, called. Don't do, don't not do the thing. I have to do the thing. Do the thing. I will. It's called a theme song. Welcome to the Dutch Hall, everybody. I'm your host, Pete Van Dyke, and we have a great show here tonight. We're Thursday night in the pool shed back in Pine Grove, and uh, we are uh, we're really popping them out. This is the second one this week. We're starting to get some in the bank now. We're building a, building a bit of a catalog so it does take the pressure off. And uh, I am very lucky tonight to have a guest come all the way uh, from Hamilton to be here. 
And I've been lucky enough to be able to work with her doing stand-up comedy. I've been lucky enough to work, believe it or not, uh, acting. Um, and she, she's a real actor. I, myself, am not. Uh, Val Cole, everybody. Val Cole is here. Hello, hello. Hey, you, you oh, were... You, oh, thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much, everyone. Uh, he, you were great, though, when we were shooting that scene. You were super fun. You were playing, you're playing my ex-husband. Yes, I'm playing your ex-husband. And you're a bit of a dick. Yeah, huge dick. Yeah. yeah. and I, is, I, I don't like him. I don't no, like my character. No. Well, you, but you can't think that way, right? I know. I, I can... We all shouldn't like you. You're a dick. And But you can't think of him that way because he's you. And so you think you're like, you would never say that about yourself, right? You would no. never talk about yourself that way. So he is a dick, but he doesn't think he's being a dick. He thinks he's, he thinks he's smart and clever and, and smooth and probably pretty handsome and uh, good with the women. There's a scene where you're flirting with our daughter's teacher. My God. Yeah, well, maybe Such if you... Such an can, ass. You know, it's not really flirting. It's more like if you would have shown up to a few more of the meetings, uh, you would have realized that you would have developed a relationship with her, too. <laughs> but you didn't show up to any of those meetings. And when I was covering for your ass, Claire, right? <laughs> I now... Uh, I spent enough time with this principal that now me and her have a bit of a rapport with one another. Can I help it? Look at you doing the backstory. I and, love and, it. And if you really have to bring it up that it bothers you so much, maybe you got a little bit of jealousy there, Claire? Uh, you maybe want to rekindle the whole relationship with uh, Papa Peter? <laughs> what's my character's name? Henry? Henry. Is I'm, it Henry? I'm, yeah, I think it is Henry. I'm Henry. Uh, to be honest, like me, Pete Van Dyke, if my name was not Pete, if it was Henry, I would go by Hank. I think I would go by Hank. This fucking guy would never go by Hank. No. You know, he'd be he'd be insulted if you called him Hank, yeah. right? Yeah. He's a douchebag. He's a total douche. He is. I don't know why you married him. I know it's not you. It's your Cuz you do stupid things when you're young and you don't think things through and then you're with somebody for a long time and then you have a kid and now you're stuck with him forever. No matter what, you're still stuck with him forever. And now you won't you won't bring our daughter to my mother's funeral and what the fuck? Like what's wrong with you? Why can't you do that? We should just we should just rehearse the whole thing right here. And maybe spoiler. It's actually uh I was thinking about it too, yeah, cuz like the does it, does AJ let you go and and play with it a bit like that? Like could we do something like that? Could we like uh could I like go off script and just say that uh, and like and and like kind of like accuse you of being jealous? Well, I think. Or could I say something like this? Like, why don't you go? Uh, um, why like like why are you giving me a grief about that? Like, uh, uh, um, when you're out fucking kids. <laughs> eh? You can't. Is that? Hang on, you're, so there's a scene. So just to bring you up to speed. <laughs> There's a scene in the movie. So the, my character is, uh, her mother has just died, and she's, uh, she had a complicated relationship with her mother. She's not, she doesn't know how she should feel about it. She, the, the, her emotions are kind of all over the place, uh, and nothing she can put her finger on. Her ex-husband is being a total douchebag and an asshole and, and isn't cooperating with the funeral. Uh, just all she wants is for her daughter to come to the funeral. He won't bring her. And, yeah, that's bullshit. and then there's, and so I'm, I'm dealing with this and I show up to a school meeting hungover cause I'm, my mother has just died and I'm going through some stuff. And 
at the end of that school meeting, you've annoyed me to such a degree that I pick up the phone and I call my friend. And the next scene is me with this really young guy. <laughs> not illegal young, but really young. And he's got... It's not like he does, he looks as he, he looks like a grown up. Like I'm not saying that Ben doesn't look like a grown up, but I think he's been on the he's been on the show once actually, uh, Ben. Um, and but like he is a guy, he has got like a youthful innocence to his face, mm-hmm. like a sweet face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's, he's perfect. And, for this. and uh, so even though it, like it doesn't look like you're with a like a child or anything, no. But it does look like he he's like way out of his league. Yeah, like way way. Yeah, out of and his league. so his backstory is he's he's in his twenties and he's dealing with the women who in their twenties who are infuriating and confusing right right and but so hot and and so he's struggling with that not knowing how to handle women and then for, i don't know what our how we meet we've got to figure that out how come up with that back oh here. that's easy <clears throat> what that's easy because you're like I, th- I think your character's probably in her in her 40s right mm-hmm. and uh usually i've seen this happen a lot you know everyone talks about the male midlife crisis but the female midlife crisis Brings them to bars, right? the The sun is setting on their beauty, right? They 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 feel the uh, you know the old clock is a tick, and they want to be able to show they still got it, right? So they start going out with their friends for these girls' nights out. They get a little independence. Their kids are getting a bit older, right? Right? They get a little independence. They start going out to a bar. Now they start hearing. These young guys that are hanging out at the bar start telling them all the things that their husband never told them, right? Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, they're leaving their husband and kids, and uh, they just empty out the bank account, and uh, the husband's completely shocked. So know? we met at the bar. <laughs> now, I didn't leave you for him. I don't think that happened. I think I found him maybe no, at no, a bar. No, no, after. Maybe after. at a bar, yeah. But I'm just saying that that even if you're going through a divorce, whether it be a male or a female, yeah. there's Those a period ones. of time where you'll hang out at a bar because you're, especially if you're a drinker, and then and then you're going to meet young people because they're always hanging out at a bar. Yeah, and there's this whole, well, after my divorce, there's this whole MILF thing out there that I had no idea was a thing. Oh. And and the, the young guys, not all, but some of them really have a MILF. There's a whole MILF thing. Yeah. And so... Um, it's it's not altogether that far from the truth. This scene with me and this super young guy. I know that there's real. I, I want to get more. Get back to that one. But the I know that there's there's women that like older men too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I never met one. You know, like like no one's ever. No one's ever. No young person. No young woman's ever found me attractive. Oh, stop! It. My uh my demographic is uh, uh like my. The women that like me the most are over 65. <laughs> Older women tell me I'm handsome all the time. They they go on and on about handsomeness when you have when you're when you're uh, a senior citizen. Senior citizens dig me. Little kids like me too. Like uh, there's a lot of little girls who uh, one girl thought I looked like Prince Charming, and she would say I'm more handsome than Prince Charming and stuff like that. Like so, little girls will say I'm handsome, and old ladies will say I'm handsome, and then. In the in between, I'm creepy. <laughs> I totally get this. I I I'm with you 100. Uh, percent Not on the creepy, but on uh, I have never felt more fuckable than when I'm in a room full of men over 60. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And uh, what about black guys? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they seem to be like, uh, like regardless of the age, into everything. I've dated, <laughs> I've dated black guys my age. I've dated younger black guys. I was dating a thirty-eight-year-old black guy for a while. Um, they, uh, they, I what I love is their energy. I love the energy of a black guy. They, they, they just, they're not as reserved as white guys are. Oh yeah. They, 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 if you, if you look good, they tell you look good. Ah, Love that. Italians too. Fun. And Italians. I don't know. I've never dated an Italian. And like Portuguese too. But the black guys, they, they love the blonde hair. Right. And I think some of them, it's uh, there's because they have such a strong bond with their moms usually. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, older so, ladies. Eh? Yeah, yeah, that's they like it. strong women. Yes, yep. that is that's what exactly what I think it is because they have str- they have strong mother figures, so they are more attracted to to women who are older than them a lot of times. Yep. I think that's true too. I think that's true. Yeah, and if a guy treats his mom like shit, like you shouldn't date him. Because he's going to treat you badly. Mm. That I think is true too. Mm-hmm. If you see a guy that's like not being nice to his mom, he's probably not going to be nice to you. I'm trying to think of my ex husband. You you have something there. Yeah. Was he nice to his mom? Was he? Uh, I don't he, know. he was indifferent. Indifferent? Yeah. That's and the I've, worst. And I feel like that's how he felt about me. Oh, that's the worst. That's yes. like, it's, it, I, that's like even a joke. A joke, if it does well, that's the best case scenario. If it bombs, that's still better than indifference. <laughs> like if people boo you and they are like angry, that's terrific. I'm just as happy as a laugh. But if they're just sitting there and they're just give a shit and they're looking at their watch or something like that, I'm like, ah, man, that's awful. That's the worst. Nothing like, I know. That is kind of like, that is the worst. I, I know. Yeah, because hate, uh, hate is not the opposite of love. No, it's not. Hate is demonstrates passion you still care you still care you're still you're in it because you have such feelings uh for whatever's going on they may be they may be negative feelings but they're still really deep feelings whereas a indifference is the lack of any kind of connection at all to what's going on yeah yeah yeah. that would be that's the mind numbing like i need like i need like uh I need to know what's ticking in your brain, you know, because mm-hmm. otherwise I'm trying to figure it out. So if you're not... This and you'll is, always default to the negative. If you're left to come up with the answer, you'll default to a negative yeah. result any every time. Yeah, especially when you got a messed up brain and you're putting all your weird shit into it. So then you, it's, which is some of it's, I've come to find out based, uh, thanks to uh, the help of a therapist. That's just getting my ad now and then I can do it. But, um, but I'm starting to figure out that like a lot of times things that you you just come to assume are are the way things are if you really break them down and you like i put and you and you look at how much of them are actual facts and how much of them are spin that you put onto it you know like your kind of like assumptions and bias and perceptions and all that Mm -hmm. stuff it's not really a fact you can't guarantee it and then you you realize a lot of the stuff is kind of crap that you believe (laughs) like most of it so um I try to do that as much as I can just so I stay uh, fair, you know, mm-hmm. and and be understanding that if someone's like, uh, I don't fight with people anymore because now when a person tries to fight with me, I shouldn't say I don't do it. I try very hard not to fight with people anymore because, um, and that's like argue, not fist fight, but like 
to have any dispute whatsoever, disagree, uh, con- uh, be a disagreeable dude. I don't do that because now instead of uh, if a person comes at me with something I don't like, I just say that person's having a tough day. You know, that person's dealing with their own shit. You know, like they're suffering. They're not like trying to hurt me. Well, <clears throat> I don't want to bring your show down, but I, uh, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, I ended up in a relationship with someone who has a mental disorder. Oh, yeah. And I didn't figure that out until I was in it. And you've just described that relationship in the sense that his reactions to whatever I – like, I was always wrong no matter what. And it wasn't because I was wrong. It's because that was how he was perceiving his perception of my action and the way he was interpreting my actions or my words or anything I was doing was always in a negative uh, – uh, uh, bias um, because that's where he was coming from all the time and he had such i have such compassion for people who are dealing with this because uh that's torture that is that is excruciating every day to be living like that was it hard for me yeah Yeah, yeah. i I went through a depression unlike anything i'd ever (laughs) known after that relationship was so hard on me but he has to live like that every day all right yeah i i i feel bad like obviously for the impact I've had on other people, like with my problems, but I've been on the other side of it too, where I had, I had a person I had to work with who is like a cuckoo bananas. And, uh, yeah, she was, uh, she had a really elaborate narrative about me that mm-hmm. was so far removed from the, the reality. Of, but it felt so real to her. Uh, yeah. Like you can't, like I can't really deny the impact. Like it have it would have a physical. She'd have physical reaction to me because she believed these nasty things, you know. And then, uh, and uh, I, it was quite the contrary. I was really trying to help help her, and I was really uh, uh, felt, you know, bad for the poor poor girl. Um, but I, uh, but when you face that kind of like onslaught of a, of like accusation, and you just like have this person know that you're that she thinks these things of you, you know, which would, which would, I would never be like that, you know? No. But, uh, anyways, uh, she, um, uh, my therapist gave me this thing. It was like a mantra. And, you know, he says, just say this thing. It's, I tell you, it's stupid, right? I've, it's stupid, but like, apparently your subconscious mind's like messed up from when you're a kid. It just gets formed when you're a kid. And then in order to change it, you have to like, train it like you're doing like sit-ups like muscle memory right so you have to like keep keep doing the same thing over and over again in order to train this thing out of you and the one that he gave me that to me and now i just do it like every time i'm faced with something where i notice i mean i'm acting contrary to this this will just pop out of my mouth like i'll just think it or say it and it is uh, i exist independently of people's positive or negative opinions of me it's like you exist independently of people's positive or negative opinions of you. And I, I do that constantly. And then when I'm th- seeing that somebody's judging me unfairly or that it's some, or even being overly complimentary where they're blowing smoke up my ass, you know, like I, that'll, that'll come into my head and it helps me. It helps me uh, not worry about where I get frozen and not act before. Now that'll come into my head, you know, like. That's exa- the, the if only we could all do that, because that that would save so much heartache. The people who are 
voicing their opinions on social media and then experiencing a backlash, they don't understand. It kills them. It breaks them apart because they don't understand that other people's opinions about what they've said or done uh, may not have anything to do with with them as a person. Not at all. In fact, in fact, probably 99% of it has nothing to do with you. It's where the other person is coming from. Yeah. And so not to take it on, not to take it personally. So if we could all, if we all had a mantra like that pop in our brains, oh, we'd be so much happier, yeah. wouldn't we? That's why I try to share those things. Some people don't like when I talk about the mental health stuff on the show because it does uh, kind of like uh, become a little bit too much. If you're a healthy guy like my cousin Mike, he's got nothing wrong with his head. He's like, I got, you know, I don't want to hear about this stuff. Come all the time. on, he's got to have something wrong. No, he's, he's got to have something wrong. I, you'd think so, but I've looked. He might be a bit of a drunk. Now that might be his crutch. There's no question about that. But he's well, well admitted, and he's super fun when he's drunk. <laughs> Like he's like one of those fun guys. Like you know, no one has a bad time around him when he's drinking. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm searching for it. Believe me, I'm searching for it because I have a sponsor. Uh, might as well do the ad. Um, I have a sponsor. Uh, it's called uh, Better Help. Better Help. Yeah, uh, Better Help. You know, so like. Uh, so if you uh, basically what we've been talking about is therapy. So I wish everybody could kind of get something like that and everybody could do it. Well, now you can. You can if you think that you could benefit from having some sort of therapy to kind of write your life, like try to if there's something you feel that's standing in your way of your goals, if there's something that's really uh, preventing you from being the person that you want to be, maybe you can get some better help and go to betterhelp.com. Uh, BetterHelp is not a self-help line. It's not a uh, crisis line. It's professional counseling done discreetly. It's available inter- anywhere you are in the world. It's an international service. So no matter what country you're listening to this show, if you need be- if you need some help, call up Better or go to BetterHelp.com/DutchHall, and uh, they will connect you with a, a licensed therapist uh, within 48 hours. And uh, once you're connected with with your counselor, uh, you can switch at any time if you're not satisfied. You're not waiting in a waiting room with everybody else. You're not, uh, you know, wondering if they're judging you or looking if wondering if you're as crazy as that guy over there. You know, you're not none of that stuff. And and I've I've used both kinds of counseling, BetterHelp and the others, offline stuff. And I swear to God, it is at least half price for what you're getting in, as far as care. So I'm really proud to have him as a sponsor of this show. And I, for Dutch Hall listeners, if you go to betterhelp.com slash Dutch Hall, you get 10% off your first month. That's, again, betterhelp.com slash Dutch Hall and get 10% off your first month. And BetterHelp awesome. is a sponsor of this program. That's the ad. Fucking nailed it, Val. You nailed it. Yeah. I'm, I, I want to join. I'll tell you something. I the, was in that depression that I was telling you about because <clears throat> I had my marriage end and then I got into this relationship with somebody who, with, with mental um, uh, disorder. And was he it, the rebound guy? Or did, or was I didn't think I had a rebound guy, but I think maybe he was. How, how many guys did you date before? He was the first guy. you Did you live with a guy? Live with the mental illness guy? No. no. You were just dating him? Yeah. And how long did you date him for? year but that was you know six months longer than it should have been were the first six months good the first couple of months were amazing so much fun was he like a manic and then uh no but then 
then it just the 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 nuclear bombs started falling on my head, and they never stopped after that. Right. But but you still you still you remember those wonderful heady times in the beginning, and you become there's something called the trauma bond, and you kind of so even when they're hurling abuses and and. Uh, 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 calling you the most uh, uh, heinous things, things you, you would never want your child to hear someone call you, uh, you're still thinking, oh, but if I could just fix this and get back to the way it was. And you kind of get, you kind of, there's a bit of an addictive uh, quality to that. And so I think part of my depression afterwards, after it ended, and it should have ended, and I wish him well, and I don't blame him for anything. It's not his fault he's saddled with this disorder. Um, it, uh, uh, it took a long time for me to get over that addictive pull of, oh, but I could just, if I could just, I can't, cause I educated myself about it and I thought, oh, I just, I'll just change how I am and I'll, it'll make him behave differently if right. I just stop upsetting him. Yeah. Uh, but of course that's not going to work. And, uh, but it took me a long time to get over the addiction of this trauma bond that we had unknowingly created. With each other, anyway. So, so my point was going to be, um, the the isolation then of the pandemic did not help, or or maybe it did. I'm not entirely sure, really. But uh, what I found is when I started talking about it, I realized that there were a lot of people that we know who were struggling with their mental health, who were feeling depressed and just didn't know how to talk about it. So this is a service that would be an amazing, um, valuable service for almost anybody right now. Yeah, and I think actually, uh, I always forget to squeeze it in the ad. They do have, if you um, need financial assistance, I think they do have ways that you can get it if you still need the help. Mm. If the if the price that it is is still a problem for you, then I think that you can still, there's financial assistance available. So that's good we brought it up but yeah it was the pandemic's been weird man well you lose people are losing their jobs i lost my job and <laughs> and there's no there was no comedic outlet there was no comedy show mm. where we could hang around with our comedy friends and and get our minds off of it and and, and do creative things it is so healing dude yeah man when i like uh, i i uh i was a banker for like 15 years and then when i left uh, I knew I was, le- I was supposed to leave there five years. That's what I said. I would, that's what I said in my head. I like, I promised I'll give you five years and then, you know, kids and mortgage and all that stuff. You kind of get addicted to the grind or the money or whatever it was. And I ended up staying for 15. It was way too long. And then, um, when I did finally get out of there, like, um, I was like, not like you, you have a crisis of conscience. Like you really feel like you're, you, you're lost, you know? And then, and I knew I could kind of do anything I wanted. So then it was, it was like uh, infinite, you know? So your brain spins cause it's got so much shit to think about. And then, and then, uh, uh, comedy was like, um, uh, like calmed it all down, you know? Like it was like your place where you were, I wasn't anxious or anything anymore. You go on stage, you feel like not nervous, you know, like where you would sh- expect that you should be nervous, you know, you would, you'd be calm. And then, uh, it was like, it just felt right, you know? And then like, uh, those comedians saved my life. Like they really did. Like, like time and time again, um, just hanging out with a bunch of people who all didn't fit in. It was like, kind of like, and made, you- it made sense, you know? It does make sense. And comedy accepts anybody. 
young, old, black, white, or any other color, uh, doesn't matter how what your educational background is, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter what you look like, you could be fat or skinny, tall or short, it does none of it matters. Right. The Just only the thing that matters is are you funny? Are you funny, yeah. yeah. And then and the old and it's a it's not um there's no bias in the judgment of it. You know, the audience decides if you're funny. You know, like you can't argue it. You can sit there and look at a comedian and say, I don't really like that guy. I, I don't think what he's doing is stand-up. I don't think uh, or his stand-up is not my cup of tea or whatever. But if the audience is laughing, like, you lose. You know, you're wrong. They like it. So you have to shut up. You, that's right. You know, and uh, that's what I like about it is that, you know, everyone can think that I, you know, if everyone in the world thought that I was a hack, for example, you know, or they thought I wasn't funny, and then I would go up on stage and the audience laughs, then I don't care what they think, you know? Like, I know that I, they're wrong, you know? So... Has everybody ever told you you have a Norm McDonald quality? I used to get that. I do get that from time to time from uh, on stage. And I don't know what that is. I think it's... Uh, we're both rural Ontario, like uh, both farm guys or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. Because Norm can talk about serious stuff, and he can get into really deep, uh, deep shit. Uh, yeah, and then he can be ridiculously funny yeah. and, and, and sound exactly the same. He'll describe a, a, a joke uh, and a, a finding cancer in his testicle in exactly the same tone of voice. You know, I don't know if he did. I don't know if he's found cancer in his testicle. Oh, uh, maybe. But I don't, yeah, that's speculation. It's good that you mentioned that. <laughs> we don't want any harm to come enormous balls. So, but I, 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 um, I think that, um, what was I going to say? Damn it. Oh, I think that uh, it gets me into trouble a lot. You know, if I go to a dinner party, for example, when I, this is before I was doing comedy, I go to a dinner party and I, I would be having a few laughs with people, you know, like joking around. And then we get into a serious conversation and then I would pipe up. Hey, I'm well read on that topic. I'll I'll join in. Like I have a lot to add, and I enjoy a heady conversation. You know, like why wouldn't I want to uh, add? And then I try to contribute, and everyone laughs at the table. And I'm like, I didn't fucking say anything funny. I was I was, I was saying a serious thing, but people laugh, and it would happen consistently to me because oh, they don't no. either they don't understand what I'm saying or they just don't see me they, the change of gears they can't get used to both of those gears you know you're either the funny guy or the smart guy but you can't you, you can't do both like pick one brutal you know and like listen to what I'm fucking saying you know and then I would then I would always it would get in my head and then I would realize after time is lean into it like just go with it if they're gonna laugh at me then I'll say whatever the fuck I want and then they'll just think it's funny and then that happens on, that happens on stage too. Do you notice that? If you front load your act with a bunch of good jokes, and then you just start doing the same rhythm as your jokes you told, especially, you can say anything you want, and they're going to laugh hmm. at the time the punchline is. Hmm. I did a show one time in Woodbridge, and I swear to God, this was happening. Was one the audience was super hot. It was like all people of color, you know, like from all over the world, but not. Europe, <laughs> you know, like there's no white people at all, but there was everywhere else in the world. It was a very eclectic hookah room, you know, and, uh, uh, Moses brought me there and it was the best show. It was, it was such a great show. 
And this one guy was so animated in the front row. You know, you'd say a punchline. He'd, like, run to the other side, high-five people. He was, like, throwing his head back, throwing his hands in the air laughing, like, just having a ball, you know? And then at the end of the show, they left the mic hot uh, on the stage, like they, a lot of times they do. And this dude goes up on stage and starts, like, speaking in the mic. But he's not speaking English. I don't know what he's speaking. He's speaking some language that I'm not unaware of, or it could be gibberish. It's one of the two. But he's speaking in the rhythm of my joke. Of your joke? Of my jokes. It was my jokes, because I was like, that's my rhythm. I recognize the, the, the rhythm of my jokes. Like He was doing it, and then I'm like, ah, he know he was laughing at the punchlines. I don't even think he understood the joke. Like He was laughing at the rhythm. Yeah. He wasn't laughing at the words, you know, because I don't think he understood him, you know? Yeah. And he was still new or, or it was when the crowd was laughing, then he laughed or he's got a weak understanding of English and, and he was just doing it in his more comfortable language. I don't know. But I remember thinking that that sounds a lot like my, like he was mimicking my act, but with gibberish, you know? I bet if we were to watch a comedy show in another language... You'd we, still know we, when the punchlines were. We'd know are. when the punchlines were. Yeah. You, you I bet. definitely would. Yeah. We should well, do that. And, and not just because of the laughing, but because of the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you ever watch Don Rickles, if you watch old Don Rickles on YouTube or whatever, you realize he's never written a joke. There's no jokes. He doesn't tell jokes. He just... Rhythm. It's all rhythm. This... Uh, it's like a... It's, you got like a, a face that looks like a hit by a rake. <laughs> That's right. right. It's just like uh, nothing. It would just, uh, bend over and shoot a rocket at my ass. You know, <laughs> it's just it's just rhythm. Anybody who's funny, right? You can't yeah. deny it's funny, but there's no jokes. There's no like. And his face was funny too, so that's part of it. Um, I wanted to learn Spanish. I'm, I'm trying to learn Spanish because my daughter's birth mother uh, is Mexican. I, I, I worked with Mexicans for over a decade. Awesome. Well, maybe I can get out. some. Yeah, I can get some conversational Spanish going. Okay. Because the comedy scene is blowing up in Mexico. Maybe not. Right? Maybe not since COVID, but just before COVID, it was blowing up. And there were a couple comedians from Toronto, uh, one in particular, uh, who went down specifically to do Spanish comedy shows. Now, for some reason in Mexico, it was still a fairly new concept, these stand-up comedy shows. So he he told me how he almost needed to explain to the audience uh, how it worked. Right, right. So that they would know when to laugh at the right thing. So that maybe they didn't think they should. It was too noisy. So right, they right. keep it to themselves. So they... They kind of had to teach them how to be an audience, yeah. and then uh, and then they're just so receptive; they yeah. love it. So we should we should try and come up with a way of learning how to tell jokes in Spanish. Maybe it's the same rhythm, and, and I bet try you, it out. Um, Eddie Izzard, yeah, you know him. Yeah, he does in French, right? Yeah, he does it in French. Yeah, and he tries the same jokes too. And then some jokes he knows they just work in French, some just work in English, and some will work in both. He he fascinates me because he's his brain is going a thousand miles a second. His brain is fast. He's so smart. He's he's he might be too smart for me. I don't always keep up with his jokes. Yeah, that's true too with me. I I miss half of it, but he is. But I do enjoy listening to him talk. I like those that that era of comic you know like the you know billy conley yeah 
Like I like Billy Connolly too. He's kind of like because there's a certain silliness to him as well, you know. Like, and he's an old guy that's being silly, you know. Like that gives me hope. <laughs> Those guys will live forever, eh? Like, you, how like, old is Billy Connolly now? Is he in his seventies? Oh, I yeah, for sure. He's probably the same age as Jimmy England, and uh, and they'll both live forever. Yeah, Jimmy England will outlive me for sure. That guy's still working his butt off writing jokes. He's a oh real my God. like that guy doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to do it if no, he doesn't want to do it's it. It's a reason to wake up in the morning, and it's a reason to still feel pa- you can feel passionate about things no matter how old you are. And he's proof of that. When did you start comedy? I was well, technically, in my job as a morning radio host and uh, and then as a talk show host. I've all I'd always been writing jokes, right? Jokes, yeah, yeah, bits, bits. Trouble is, on radio, you do it once and it's gone. That's yeah, it. You yeah. get the one chance. You know, you might try it out if you fill in on a different shift, maybe, uh, or try it at a different time of the morning on another day in another month. But it's not like comedy where you can literally tell if you can if you're a grinder. You can be telling your set three or four times a night if you if you're a grinder. So, um, but I didn't, uh, start writing a comedy set and get up on stage and do a proper stand-up comedy routine. Oh, and I would MC things all the time, right? And I would, and I would be, drop in jokes, uh, during an MC event and, and get laughs. So you so always kind of had, had it in you. Like I always you- had it in me and I always thought, oh, I really, like, that's the ultimate if I can get up and tell jokes. And I didn't get the courage to do it until I was 48 and... Um, and then I did it and I've been hooked ever since. It's, it's, it's the most vulnerable feeling that you can ever have. It's more vulnerable than acting. That is for sure. Cause this is what you, I think this is funny. What do you think? Uh, whereas with acting, you're just telling somebody else's words. You're, yeah, you're not, yeah. they're not even your own words. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this it's is completely all, opposite. it's, it's all you and it's just you on the stage unless you're in a duo and, and you either do it well or you don't. And everybody notices which one it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do have to like, you have to change the way you look at the world mm. to survive doing it. And I'm not funny, as you can clearly tell from this interview, I'm not a funny in-person kind of person. I'll, I'll, I don't make jokes in real life. I'm not clever in that way. But I love sitting down and creating from an idea and working it out uh, as though it's something I've just thought of on stage. But it's all, anything I do on stage has always been thought through. And, and is not very spontaneous. I'm not a spontaneously funny person. I wish I was. I'd love to be spontaneously funny, but I'm See, not. See, I wouldn't say that about you, Val. Really? I mean, I've only what met... What have I said tonight that's been funny at all? Well, I don't know. Listen, I'll tell you why I don't think that. Because when I interact with you, I always feel like it, that there's a, there's a lot of laughs. Well, so it's not all coming from me or Joe or those idiots. But we, uh, it's got to be sometime like you got to be part of it i'm i'm a jo a jovial person you How gotta about go, that? You, yeah yeah you don't shit on a joke that's no. for sure you can recognize a joke and then like you you'll laugh at it and i'm a very generous it. laugher yeah if you're funny i i don't have a problem letting you be the funny person 
Yeah, me neither. But yeah. one, I went to Patrick Coppolito's birthday party the one time, and God damn it, man, everybody wouldn't let anybody get a word in. <laughs> it was like a, every uh, area of the room was a bunch of people trying to outcock each other. Oh, like, God. Oh, my God. That's, so, that's exhausting. Yeah. It's you and generally younger guys, too, right? It's like, you got to get that out of your system, man. Like, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> well, and f- as you've just proven tonight, uh, people think I'm funny. Uh, they don't realize that I'm actually not very, very funny. But there's something when I, because I, because I, maybe because I react to what they're saying and, and appreciate what they're doing. Right. Um, it's somehow, they somehow attribute me with those powers. Well, I think it's because you have, uh, I think I get away with this too a little bit because I started when I was 40 and I think I just look like I've done it longer than I have. Right. (laughs) So people give you a little bit of credit because you have, you have this like air that you've accomplished things because you have, you're a Mm -hmm. grown up, Mm -hmm. right? So they see a grown up like you on stage who looks like she's got her shit together and they just assume you're like a pro, and then they give you like the, the, the. They give you the trust that you're a pro, right? Whereas if you were probably now, are you talking about on stage or or, or on just, stage? Yeah, on stage. Like from a stand-up audience, if you go on stage, you would have the stage presence, right? I, that people I, would give you the respect. I look comfortable for the most part. I look like I'm I'm used to being there. People relax and go, okay, she knows what she's doing. And, and, you then, go, and, and your voice, right? Your voice is like is like dynamite. So like I I get I get uh, uh, people can relax and know that they should they're in good hands. Right. That's hopefully the impression I'm getting. And then they uh, laugh at a couple of things. They go, yeah, yeah, she doesn't know what she's doing. Okay, great. And then yeah, they're and then they're jokes. into it. And you got good jokes. Yeah. And, uh, but in the inside, it's not that way. Is that true? No, I'm not. I'm not a funny person. Are you confident though? Oh. Like, are you together? Like, are you nervous at that point? Or are you like. I've done it for so long. Uh, A microphone in my hand or in my face doesn't phase me. I'm perfectly comfortable being up on stage. Now, here's an interesting thing. When I was emceeing something or when I was uh, appearing as Val Cole from blah, 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 FM, yeah. um, I, there, there was a reason for me to be there. People were expecting me. I was going to do a thing um, and I was going to, you know, help, uh, you know, some breast cancer uh, charity event, right? I was going to, I was going to do, I had a reason to be there. So I could walk into that room. I could walk onto that stage and look and feel perfectly confident. Now, comedy You've got to prove it every single time. Nobody's, until you're famous and you can walk into a room and people are there because of you, with where we are, we have to walk in and prove it every single time. And I find that unnerving. So I'll, I can fake it. I can fake looking confident because I I know how to look confident, ah. but I'm still until I can get those first couple of laughs. I'm st- my knees are knocking, my knees are shaking so hard. And if you see me try and take a sip from a water, you'll oh, yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll see the quiver in my hand. That happens to me too, even when I feel great. I but my hand shaking or my leg will start the shaking. Adrenaline, yeah. it's adrenaline, eh? Yeah. And then afterwards too, like I mean, I'm just wired, but. Um, but yeah, like I feel good. I don't feel nervous or nothing. I just but the adrenaline's got me. Eh? And um, I also uh, 
um, I like the feeling of having to prove yourself every time. Like I, I like that. Like, and the part that is the most curious to me is that no matter what, no matter what the situation, how bad it is. And you know, like if you've been through it enough times, you know what the result's going to be. You know what you're going to be doing to yourself, <laughs> you know? And then oh, uh, the cry, the drive home cry. Oh God. So, well, that's why I, yeah, at first it was brutal. You drive home and you'd be like, oh my God, like yeah. I am, the, I am the worst, you know, I, like I, delusional. What did I, th- what did I, why did I think I was ever going to be good at this? Yeah. Everybody there tonight was so much better than me. They must be, uh, I'm just, I'm an idiot. Yeah, what are they thinking about me? Like, uh, I'm so embarrassed, you know. And then, uh, and then, I remember my okay, wife. Norm. My wife would be like, uh, "You got Tourette's or something? You just lie in bed and you just, you know, just fuck, fuck, fuck." You know, like I'm just going through my act and thinking all the times I that it didn't go like it was supposed to go, like in my head. And uh, that was brutal. And then after a while, you realize you can't do this to yourself forever because it's doesn't accomplish anything. No. And then uh and then you start to just then I started to lean into it a bit. Now I'll bomb but you know I I still know how to save enough that I don't it's not as humiliating cuz I have more skilled now so mm-hmm. you can still um save a few things. And and I just don't care as nearly as much about their reaction because I've succeeded enough times that I am not questioning if I'm funny. Mm-hmm. I'm not questioning if I can do it. You know, like I know I'm funny. I know I can tell good jokes. I know I can make a crowd laugh. So if I'm not doing it now, especially if I'm working on something, I just put, I can just put it in perspective. And, uh, if, if people really hate me, like if people really viscerally like, has that ever happened? I had a one girl stood on her chair, uh, uh, just to yell at me because of a vagina joke I did. What? Yeah, and uh, she was pointing and like uh, screaming. It was making me laugh so hard because I couldn't. I've never seen anyone get so upset, you know. And I had another girl. She was very drunk too. This one, she was right up at the stage and she was telling me how funny. She was like, she was saying, "You're funny. You're funny like that." And then I I told that exact same joke that the other girl didn't like. Um and then she got she got went from being like you're funny, you're funny to like you're a fucking asshole. What? I gotta hear this <laughs> joke. Can you tell me the joke? Uh, I think the joke was something about I tell a bunch of dick jokes and then I just say like <laughs> I don't remember these dick jokes. I think you do, but I don't remember like I don't think of you as a dick joke guy. Oh, I'm a dick joke guy. And then anyway, so I say these dick jokes and then I go, ladies, I'm gonna throw one in for the ladies, you know? It's not like your stuff ages gracefully either, you know? <laughs> I bet you there's a bunch of people in this very room who, you know, started dating a girl, she had something look like a nice peach between her legs. And then uh, you know, like a twenty five years later you're going to bed every night that with someone that looks like she's got a shot octopus in her underpants, you know. <laughs> I think that's what uh, I said. And then, uh, so to me, I think a shot octopus. Yeah, What's that? What's a shot octopus? You know, like if you have an octopus and then you shoot it. Oh, my God. And then uh, and then the <laughs> octopus is dead and it's lying there with his tentacles I'm all. I'm just thinking of the tentacles, yeah. You imagine an old vagina as as a tentacled yeah, if you ever see you get, if you see an octopus on the butchers, like on the, at the fishmongers, and you see it lying there dead, oh ugh, my god, just hanging out. 
That's awful. <laughs> yeah. It gets a little flappy, I will admit. It, added, gets, it I, gets a little flappy. I added a tag, uh, but I only tried it in Oshawa, um, and, and it worked there, but Oshawa's a bad testing ground, eh? <laughs> Oshawa lasted everything because they're, they're, they're dirtbags in Oshawa. I like them. Oshawa, London, and, um, and Hamilton. The schwa. Yeah. Those are good. Those are good working class towns that'll laugh at a good dick joke. All right. What was the tag? It's like a sideways lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) They liked it. Sideways lasagna. Yeah. You know? You, you're expanding my mind on so many levels here. I didn't. Maybe I have a wrong impression of. Uh, I think you look at the wrong vaginas. Yeah. To be honest, they don't really look like that. I find there to be two kinds of vaginas that I see most of the time, mostly on the internet. The ones like a front, bu- <laughs> the ones like a front bum. It's like okay. a sneaky front bum. Oh. It just looks like a crack in the front. You oh. know. And you're like, what's going on there? Nothing. I can't see what's going on. You know. <laughs> I'm like, are, are her legs together? No, you'd be like if you watch the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee video. That do you remember that from back oh, in the day? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a por- that porno. Pamela Anderson's vagina. Yeah, she had a tight mound, right? Yeah, there yeah. was there was nothing, just a crack. Yeah, and you're like, where the hell is all the kibbles and bits? And that's you know? where we started. I think when we saw her, that's when we all started taking off all the hair, right? Yeah, I, I guess she so. might have been. But that was not an attractive trip. vagina to me. Like that vagina looked razor bumpy and yucky and it was like why i don't even know where it goes in it's just (laughs) to me it was not my my style of vagina that i that i'm interested in i like to know what's going on i like to have more of it on display you know like a lotus flower Ah. opening up you know lotuses grow from the mud you realize so well the flower opens up right and then Mm -hmm. like that's what I'm trying to give an analogy of the way that the petals vagi- and yeah, like petals, the vagina lips, the vulva come out like petals, yeah, and just flop they they flop out like that. Mine, uh, <laughs> when it flops open like that, looks more like a creature from the Black Lagoon. Like it's good too much. It's a bit. It's a bit flappy. Yeah, it's the best way to describe it. I I I, I, I try to I try to give it a little bracing slap just to wake up wake it up. Really? If I, if I know it's going to be uh, looked at, yeah. Now, I have a question, because I don't have a vagina, and I don't have much experience with women. But if they... So, there's those front bum girls, right? They got those sla- slits there. I've never seen one in real life. Like, I've never real life been with a girl like that, you know, where she's got that sneaky thing. But I'm wondering, <laughs> if you got something like that, is that it in its resting state? Like, that's like in it the way it is when it when it's like just not aroused and then if you were to like be messing with that thing for a while well, it would eventually like kind of like loosen up and open up and stuff. I can't speak for all vaginas but while there is some thickening I suppose there's you know there's more blood that gets flowing right, right? but there, we don't have the we don't have the enlargement situation that you guys deal with it's just the, more blood goes in there nothing comes n- not yeah nothing grows to the point where it's where it is now and it wasn't before it's nothing like that but if it wasn't all full of blood and it was just kind of like it could be crumpled up you know like a bat's wings and then all of a sudden it gets full of blood and you can see oh it's got all this stuff right (laughs) i don't know 
That, I know girls are self-conscious about that sort of thing, eh? Well, when you've, too got, much, when you've got too much flappy stuff, yeah. I think that's ridiculous. They shouldn't be They shouldn't be self-conscious about that. Well, I would. I feel the same way uh, for so long for guys who, were, who had a foreskin. I used to feel terrible when people would shame them about that because there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Yucky. And if you've got if you've got a vagina that has a lot of hanging, like somebody's hanging their laundry for crying out loud, uh, then you would you would feel self conscious about it. Uh, but 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 like uh, there's nothing. That's an attractive thing to me. If they had more of it, like I would think, if they had more stuff, it would be even better. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't think I don't there's think anything wrong with it. I've never seen one where there's the extra stuff. And said that's and thought I would think that's more attractive than, rather than less. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Right. Also, well, thank you on behalf of girls with flappy vaginas. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I hear people getting things tucked and nipped and stuff, yeah. and I'm like, that's a waste, man. Because I don't see that as being an unattractive quality. Also, pubes. Pubic hair mm-hmm. is not unattractive. I miss hair on guys. I'm going on record as saying, bring back the hair. I mean, you've got. I love the. I love chest hair, right? Yeah. Uh, and I love stomach hair, and and it looks weird if you don't have any pubic hair. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? We're grown ups. I'm right? not a pedophile. I don't want to be a pedophile. And a man, especially like uh, for me, like uh, I will trim it. I have a maybe a. It's supposed to be quarterly, but I go bi- maybe like biannual. Sh- I get a shearing from my wife. <laughs> Or I stand in the shower like this, and she just takes the trimmers and shears me like a sheep. But she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't uh, go to the skin. She she puts like a number two or something on it okay. so that I but don't. But that can be a little prickly. And just for a little bit till it grows back out. But right now I'm at the point where um, I think I'm in, I'm due for a shearing because the the stuff will grow so goddamn long. Like there's a point where it's. It does seem weird. What's the biological reason for all of that? I wonder. I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know, man, because why would my hair on my head die and fall out and then the hair on my body, like, grow like crazy? I know. The hair on my ears and my nose. Come on. Fucking bodies. Aging's weird and sucks, but uh, it's not that big of a deal. How do you You shave? Do you shave the balls or? Oh, I got you. This is the last show where I won't be able to. I'm getting a ball shaving sponsor and uh, uh, we'll be able to promote their product, but. I think the, yeah, I do. I resisted it forever. I probably was one of the last holdouts on manscaping that existed in my age group. Because, like, I remember going, like, saying to my friends for years and years, you know, you shave your balls? And they'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, what? You're a fancy boy, you know? Like, what's the matter with you? And, like, I'm a man. Oh man, I got hair. That's what I do, right? And then I realized, like, I'm just like, a, it's just a mess, you know? <laughs> So then I clean my, I started cleaning myself up, just taking a little bit of care. Because I started hearing from some of my girlfriends. They're like, that's disgusting that you don't do that. You know, like, just clean yourself up. I'm like, I, so I did. And so I still will do that. But you got to, like, be careful, you know. Same with your vaginas if, for the ladies out there. This is my only, my opinion. Do whatever you want. But uh, I think you keep evidence that you're an adult on top. Mm. That's what you want. Nice like pa- a triangle or something. Yeah, triangle, landing strip, or whatever you want to go natural. The V, you know, like uh, any uh, any formation, just evidence of your adulthood. Okay, okay, right? that's mm-hmm. what I say. Now, 
And then below that, you clean know, it up for the clean it up a little bit. You know, so, you know, somebody's got to. That's where all the work get in there. The working yeah. parts are. You don't want any in the way. Yeah. And if you enjoy the, uh, you know, you don't want people like uh, stuff getting stuck in people's teeth and, so, and et cetera. So that's what I'd say. Uh, that's the perfect uh, blend, you know, because sometimes you look at the old. De- you see Demi Moore when she's like eighteen. No. And she po- You gotta look it up. Uh, Demi Moore when she's eighteen and she's po- poses nude in like penthouse or something, and she looks like she's got shorts from her knees to her belly button. Like she's an Armenian girl. She's got like thick black hair. You cannot see one detail in her vagina because the hair is like a. It's honestly like a pair of of like fur shorts. What year was this? Well, I don't know how old Demi Moore is. She's gonna be getting she's, up there. Yeah, she's fifties. Well, she was eighteen then, so it's like way back. Whenever, probably yeah, the we were, 80s, yeah, 80s. so it was still, still all hairy. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I, I first vagina I got to touch it was like 1990, and uh, goodness, I was in the front of my Mercury Monarch. I remember putting my hand down her pants and, uh, and I, you know, at that time it was high waist. I love that you remember the make of the car. Yeah, you're yeah. such a guy. And then they have uh, with two bench seats too, right? So you could. <laughs> then the there was a. Uh, I remember high waisted jeans. So you put your hand in the top, but then, then you just keep going down, and you, you're like, "Hey, I'm going to find it." But like, you put your hand in her pants, and then you hit the belly button, right? Like the belly button's in the pants. That's so pants, are, and then you hit pubic hair, mm-hmm. not too far below the belly button. Mm-hmm. So you think I must be getting close, right? Because I got the hair, and then you're you're up the way to your elbow, round in the corner before you get to anything. <laughs> And you're, and I'm thinking, am I, where the hell is this? You know, turns out it's by the butt, eh? <laughs> it's by the butt. Did we? Oh, oh yeah. It's it's. Uh, we think we have uh, gone quite long, Bal. Oh, have we? Yeah, I think it's almost ten o'clock now. <laughs> and uh, I have, yeah, I haven't done feedback, but I will do quick a uh, couple ads I, 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 oh, I know we haven't done um, we haven't done uh, feedback but if you guys would like to give us some um, you can go to live from the Dutch Hall gmail.com or you can go to Facebook Twitter Instagram any of that stuff and tell us what you think of the show and tell us how to make it better thank you to everyone who has done that and we are lucky uh, and also you can go to uh, Patreon go to patreon.com slash Dutch Hall if you want to support our show thank you very much to Jen Husko sorry about all the inside comedy talk Jen I know how you don't like it but you are our queen you're the only one that pays us money and you are the uh, you know you are really the queen the queen of the show so if you want me to take this show that I just done with Val with all this comedy conversation we had and just uh, throw it in the garbage because you don't want the comedy talk i will do that for you jen husko and i will do it for any of you that will spend money on my program although it costs you is ten dollars a month oh man what a sellout yeah jen is our queen is yeah she, she didn't even go for the cheap package she went for the middle package and uh she's the only one that's done it so we'll do anything she says. <laughs> if she tells you to kick me right in the cunt, would you do it? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would do that. Don't say, Jen. But, Jen, but, Jen, listen to me. Don't do that, Jen. I, 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 yeah. I don't want to do that. I would never want to I'm do not, violence. I'm not a rich woman. Um, I'm, I'm unmarried. I'm a single mother. 
She uh, won't. My vagina is the only thing that, that I, I'm hanging on to this thing by a thread. It's uh, don't don't please don't make him kick me. I will never. I would never. I, I'm a pacifist, though. I would if I did kick you, it would be just to satisfy the condition of what she asked me to do. <laughs> But I would be not putting my full uh, weight into it. Oh, okay. You'll be getting a nice tap of the top of my foot. That's all you're going to see. You barely even feel it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to end this show, Val, with you. Thank you very much. You've been an excellent guest, and I've enjoyed I've enjoyed getting to know you better. You so I have to um, – I'm gonna. we're not going to do the last one, but we're going to do – I had five questions, but now there's only four. No, that's not it. Uh, 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 oh. Here we go. All right. I got them. I have not been shown these questions. I have no idea. So I'm going to do a series of questions. These are going to be relatively quick. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be long. I, I know I told you at the beginning of the show that I was going to go long. I'm not going to go long. I promise. Uh, rank the th- these three um, professions in order of most dignity. Mm. Stripper. Porn star, prostitute. So highest dignity at the top? Yeah. Which one has the most dignity of those three? Stripper, porn star, prostitute. Another way uh, to look... Oh, yeah, sorry. go on. I would say another way to look at it, baby, what would you most upset if your daughter did and then you do have to reverse the order? No, I don't want to answer it like that. No, or... Because... <laughs> I can't think. Don't make me think about my daughter. I'm sorry. That's even bad because I've never met her. If I had met her, I wouldn't even ask the question because then she'd be a real person to me. But right now, she's just a story, and I'm sorry to do that. I think, I think, from my perspective, that the prostitute deserves the most amount of respect because she's doing it. Right. Okay? So uh, she's number one on my list. Right. And then, and then, stripper. Because she's getting down into it with the real people as well. I mean, she's putting on a show for people. I respect that. Trying to make people have a nice evening. Right. Uh, trying to make money. So, uh, number two. And then porn star, I, I feel, has the lowest uh, dignity. Now, if I changed it so that it was, instead of stripper, porn star, and prostitute, it was um, uh, compete in a wet t-shirt contest... Uh, have an OnlyFans page and uh, suck a guy's dick for concert tickets. <laughs> <laughs> How would I rank those? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get it to the girl who's who's sucking the dick for concert tickets. That's the best best action. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. Hey, you want to go to see Ray? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Wow, who would I? Who would I be wanting to see so bad? I would suck a dick. Yeah, that's another question. I don't have it written here, but that's even better than anything I wrote down. Oh man, who would be the band? Would it have to be a reunited band? Because it have to be living or de- does it have to be living? Like, yes, it has to be someone that you could actually see today. Mm-hmm. So it can't. He can't bring back a dead person. Hmm. Uh, I would. What, can I suck a dick to get on? Say, uh, if Oprah was was doing a show, if I could get on Oprah's show. My dad was at Oprah. <laughs> Saw a live taping of Oprah. Old tobacco farmer. Wow. Crazy. Uh, I that's I still I can't believe he did that. But my sister dragged him to it. Um, Oprah, you'd suck a dick for Oprah tickets. Maybe, maybe. But it would be 
Uh, I wouldn't. I would suck a dick for... Well, it's not the same. Because now, as I don't want to suck a dick, right? But I would eat a pussy for nothing. I would eat a pussy to go see, like, uh, a busker. <laughs> uh, that's that's not even close to the same. Um, what would you do if I called you Valerie? I'd say... Uh... I tried. I tried on Valerie for a while. Yeah. I try. I tr- I thought when I turned fifty, I thought okay, although uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go by Valerie because Val always felt very friendly, and I did. I felt oddly guilty about making people say so many syllables. So, uh, but when I was fifty, I thought I. I it's only three syllables for God's sakes. It's not. Uh, you're not making them cross the you know desert. So go by Valerie. It's more sophisticated, more mature, and it just didn't fit. So if you called me Valerie, I mean, I wouldn't be offended. Would you answer to it? I wouldn't correct you. Yeah, of course. Like if you were sitting across the room and I said, "Hey, Valerie, would you turn around?" Of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you do. Some people do call it to you. Is your mom or someone like? Occasionally, people will call. Yeah, my mother Valerie would call me. Yeah, like that. Um, What is your death row meal? Mm, I'll tell you what. My first job was working at the Donut Queen in Kitchener, Waterloo. I was 14 years old. I developed um, an eating disorder at this Donut Queen because I loved the donuts so much, and they let us eat them for free. I gained so much weight, and I destroyed my intestinal system. I cannot, my system can't tolerate gluten anymore as a result. And uh, so... But I've never stopped loving donuts. I can't eat them. I can't. They destroy my body. I can't do it now. But death row. But death row? Oh, my God. My fantasy. So when I need to go to a happy place, I imagine a room filled with fresh. These have to be fresh donuts, you understand? Because I used to eat them when they were still warm. Uh And uh, so... Uh, piles and piles of fresh donuts everywhere and I'm naked and I'm lying in the donuts and just eating them, rubbing them on my vagina, doing whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'll just, I want, I want a lot of fresh donuts for my What's the name of that? death row meal. What's the name of that donut that's like a, it's, a twisty curly thing? Yeah. It's like a braid, but it's long like that. I know. Shove that in your wazoo. Eh? Oh, yeah. Get a little glaze on it. <laughs> Anyway, just ideas there. I just like to be a helpful. And then uh, last question here. You're friends with Joe Botello. Mm-hmm. What do, do, you th- do your listeners know who Joe Botello is? Oh, yeah. They know who he is. There's a whole uh, group of listeners from Interkip who are very much uh, anti-Joe. Joe has attacked them numerous times on our program, and they, they, they hate them. They, 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 they openly hate Joe. That sounds like something Joe would do. In fact, because Joe will never listen to this show, because even if I tell him it's about him, I'd have to pull this clip and then send it to him and <laughs> say it's about you. <laughs> then, uh, and then he might watch it. But, but uh, um, one time, I want to book a show around here and then uh, to ask Joe to like headline. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'll ask him to be on the show. No, no, I'll ask him a headline, and then I'll... Um, I'll uh, get a busload of people from Interkip who don't like him mm-hmm. and then s- stack the crowd. Like, just get them the whole, like, 
I know one. I think I can pull it off. Like, I think I can get these people who, these listeners to, to, to gather together to come to a show, even if, cause I can book a show around here and get like 10, 15 people. And if I made those whole, and Joe would probably be happy to perform for it. So if I get 10, 15 people who hate him from Interkip to be the whole audience and they're, <laughs> when he's the headliner, right? And then he'd come out like preparing a headlining set and stuff <laughs> and the whole crowd would like, would be there just to make his life miserable. Yeah. Like to, 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 I think it would be so fun for the rest of us if it, we all knew <laughs> and then he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. But here's what I don't understand. So people have made careers out of making fun of small towns and the t- small towns usually love it. My co-host for the longest time at Chime would make fun of Meaford and the Meaford folks loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. So why, why Interkip? Why so sensitive Interkip? Oh, uh, it's the way Joe does it. Oh, uh, uh, it's it's the fact that he just—it's just pure attack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's no real. Uh, the, the man has no filter. He has no filter. Yeah, and he wasn't really going for the joke as much as he was just going to like just be mean to Interkip, right? Okay. And uh, and and ignorance, you know, mm-hmm. uh, grotesque ignorance, you know, where he's just like getting it wrong all the time. Okay. You know? like he's just—he's off the mark. That's more Joe's problem. And uh, it's been confrontational. He's called on Interkip. Interkip's responded back. Wow. They don't like Also, Joe has had run-ins with the Nocturnal Emissions, which was the house band for my show for years. Uh, they've uh, taken a hiatus in season eight. but uh, And there, behind that bass guitar, there was a picture of Joe with a circle and a cross <laughs> through his face. Um, that is... Uh, the band liked to have that behind where they played because... Uh, to. Uh, state their position on what they th- felt of Joe's appearances on her show. Wow. And he's been one of the most, uh, the most controversial guests we've had. The, mo- the most uh, pieces, oh, sorry. The most pieces of feedback. Uh, what, what? What's going on here? What are you doing? You're like, trying to look up feedback? Uh, no, I was trying to play a stinger. Oh. <laughs> See? I, I'm, Kevin usually, I usually have a guy run the soundboard. But every time I say feedback, <laughs> that's what it's supposed to do. That was the right question. So anyway, you're going to ask My me. last question here. You are friends with Joe. What do you think the grossest part of his body is? The grossest part. Now, I'm going to make you think about this man's whole body. You go top to bottom. You're looking at the face. You're looking at the neck. You're looking at those hairy shoulders and arms. You go down to the boobs. You got the belly. You got the belly button. God knows what's in that thing. Then you have the whole ass and balls. I feel like he's he probably doesn't clean his asshole as as thoroughly as he should. So you think that the view from behind looking straight up into Joe's ass? It's probably the worst. The, the worst. Hmm, fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that he's got the reach around. Oh, yes. You're right. I don't think he's got the arm length, the lever length. He does look like his arms should be longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Actually, full credit to the dude for that and not have a worse smell. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would say he's done something right. <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never I've, smelled his ass. Yeah, he doesn't. No. Nope. He doesn't have a it's not clear that but the physics, you're right. It's like <laughs> But sometimes you're like, how does a bumblebee fly? You I know? don't know. You don't know, but it does. You know, how does Joe wipe his ass? I don't know. But he does. Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. 
Anyways, that's our show for everyone. Val, I really do appreciate you coming in. Thank you very much. And if you guys like to, uh, again, provide me with some feedback, you know how to do that. Live from the Dutch, all at gmail.com, all that stuff. And until next week, we will see you, NT. See you next Thursday.